Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. And minister on this subject of praise the plan of God. Praise the plan of God. Uh, some months ago, the Lord began to talk to me and, and, and speak to me. And he said, let your house be consistently filled with the sound of praise and worship. And uh, then not too long ago, uh, 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 the Lord spoke to me through a, a very trusted friend and talked about giving the Lord a certain number of days and, and giving myself to praise and worship for a certain number of days and that then the Lord would take a certain number of days for a public manifestation. It was if you take these number of days and praise me in private, I'll take these number of days and give you a public manifestation. And so uh, uh, all year the Lord's been just percolating in my spirit this issue of praise. And, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of messages on praise. I've, I've heard people break down. All, I think there's, what, seven or eight kinds of praise that you can find in the Bible and, and uh, uh, to heal and, and all these things. And I understand that, but that's not what we're doing. I'm not trying to do a comprehensive study on praise. I want us to see how praise is our part. Yeah. Praise is our part. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, 2 Chronicles 20, Understand that rejoicing praise is the sound of our faith. Praising and rejoicing is evidence of what we believe. Hallelujah. It's the sound of my faith. I, I said, I think it was Wednesday night. I said, uh, uh, you know, that Brother Hagen prayed for this lady and, and they asked him, you know, did she, did she receive anything? He said, no, she didn't. They said, how do you know? He said, the wine never left her voice. <laughs> right? It, it ne that, that, that never changed. Well, <laughs> rejoicing is the sound of our faith. Rejoicing is evidence of what you believe. The children of Israel, their problem was, is they could only rejoice when they saw a manifestation of victory. They could never consistently rejoice before. Before the Red Sea split, why'd you bring us out here to die? We told you to leave us alone. Wasn't there enough graves in Egypt? Right? God splits the Red Sea. They go over on dry ground, and they want to grab a tambourine and rejoice. Right? But then just about a day and a half, two days later, here we are, we're going to starve to death. We don't have any water. You brought us out here to die. What, what happened to the God that split the Red Sea, the God that brought us out, the right, that we were just rejoicing about? Amen. In 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 14, now you'll remember that this is when... Uh, Ammon and Moab came against Jehoshaphat and they went and they took this to the Lord and verse 14 says, Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken, all of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid or dismayed by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the cliff of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Now, this is important because I want you to see. 
He's setting the stage and He's dividing and issuing their parts. Notice the first thing He says is He says, Don't be afraid or dismayed. Why? The battle's not yours. It's God's. That doesn't mean they don't have to do anything. It means you can't do this in your own power. This battle is not on you. It's on God. Right? Then He says, Tomorrow, go down against them. So notice, they have a part. You need to show up. You need to go face them. Right? But notice what he says. You will not need to fight in this battle. So you need to go. You need to show up. You can't just sit at home and wait on me. I need you to get up and go with the understanding that the battle is not yours. It's God's. And with the understanding that I'm not going to need to fight here, I'm just going to need to show up. Right? Oh, glory. He says, set yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. Oh, Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, don't be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. So he's not saying stand still as in don't do anything. He's saying understand your part. It's not to fight and it's not to defeat this enemy. It's to show up and do what I tell you. Amen. Hallelujah. And the Levites, uh, Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. All Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, or believe in what the Lord has said. It's not just believing in God. There are people that believe in God, but they don't believe in what God has said. He says, you got to believe in what God said. And you will be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. In other words, believe Jehaziel, who the Spirit of the Lord came on. Believe what he said, and in this issue you will prosper. All right? And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. And that should praise, or praisers that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army... And notice, he told them what to say. Isn't that great? Praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. So they're not just talking. They're praising God and they're saying, Praise the Lord whose mercy endures forever. And when they begin, when they begin is and in the time that they begin... Now think about that. So before they began, Ammon and Moab were still all together and upright. But in the time that they began, in singing and praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten or they smote one another. So think about that. So they get up in the morning. All of these enemies are arranged against them. As they're marching down there to do what God told them. Not to fight, remember? But to show up. See, what's their part here? Show up and praise God. Not to fight. Show up and praise God. And in the time, between the time they started praising God, all the enemies turned against each other and killed each other. Amen. Ha, ha, ha. Praise confuses the camp of the enemy. Now that sounds simplistic, but here's the thing. The enemy, the devil, your enemy, if I say he's rational, you'll understand what I mean by this. He's irrational in most cases, but when you begin to do something by faith, it confuses him. Because he doesn't understand faith. 
He doesn't understand faith. He's totally moved by what you see and you, you do by what you feel. If you act in faith, when he's loading the pressure up on you and you begin to praise and rejoice God, uh, re- praise God and rejoice in the Lord, it puts him on tilt because he doesn't understand that. I got all the pressure on them. Anybody else would have broken and they're worshiping God and praising God. The enemy doesn't know what to do with that because it actually turns him against himself because there's nothing he can do with that. That's your part. I say that's your part. When you release your faith, the only thing that's left to do from that moment is praise and worship God. That's it. That's all there's left to do. Because you've released your faith, you've released the substance of things hoped for. Now your part is praise God. Your part is not to meet your needs. Your part is not to heal your body. Your part is not to save your family. Your part is to release your faith and then praise God for the victory. Amen. Am I helping you? So these verses are not in the Bible so we can focus on the challenge they were facing. The focus is to be on the outcome. This is a blueprint for victory. The first thing we see is they received a word from God. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Go out and meet them. Right? The battle is not yours, but God's. So that doesn't mean, again, that we don't have a part to play. But it means the battle's not mine. Praise is the key in the kingdom. That's my part. My part is praise. Hallelujah. To see manifestation, you got to understand what your part is. What's my part here? God was playing here. You won't have to fight. Fighting's not your part. That's not your part. Now, I grew up singing that song, right? If I hold my peace, let the Lord fight my battle. Victory, victory shall be mine. Oh, victory, victory shall be mine. Victory, victory shall be mine. If I hold my peace, let the Lord fight my battle. I mean, that's right to an extent. But where the Pentecostal folks that I grew up around, they just said, well, I don't have to do nothing. The Lord will fight my battle. Well, you got to exercise your faith. They, they stood still because God said, you don't have to fight here. Your part is to praise. Amen. Notice he lays out their part in verse 20. Believe in the Lord your God, you'll be established. Believe what the man of God said, and you will prosper. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we talked about he told them what to say. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Look at verse 4 of the same chapter. They were told there was a great multitude coming against them. And I want you to notice Jehoshaphat's response. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in your hand is there not power and might, so none is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who did drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people and gave it to the seed of Abraham, your friend, forever? Notice that Jehoshaphat's response when they said a mighty multitude's coming against you, he starts magnifying God, right? He starts magnifying the Lord. You are the God that drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people. Amen. Part of your praise and worship stems from and is birthed from the testimony of past victories that God gave you. When something shows up, you begin to say, God, aren't you the one that delivered me six months ago? You brought me out two years ago. You did this for me, and you're going to do it again. It's, 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 not, it's rehearsing. My part is to rehearse what God has done and believe Him to do it again. Glory to God. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He starts magnifying God. Verse 9. If evil comes on us, the sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in your presence, for your name is in this house, and cry unto you in our affliction, and you will hear us, and you'll help us. Woo! If trouble shows up, we'll cry out to you, and you will hear us, and you will deliver us. You will help us. What's my part? Cry out to God. Rejoice. Glorify God. Magnify God. You cannot start magnifying God for the victory and rejoicing for the victory that the victory doesn't show up. That's your part. Oh, hallelujah. And i got to recognize that. Oh, thank you, Lord. The focus in these verses, in this story very often is on the challenge and the spoil. But these verses tell us how to get through the challenge and how to get to the spoil. To praise God. Amen. Magnify God. Rejoice. Thank God for it. The victory didn't just happen. Nothing in any believer's life that you see that occurred by faith just happened. Let me give you an illustration. If you're walking down the road, you're walking down a dirt road, and you look over and there's some fence posts over there, and you walk by a fence post and there's a turtle on top of that fence post, what's the first thing you're going to think? How'd he get there? <laughs> Turtles don't climb posts. Somebody helped him up there. Amen. When you see people and you know there's no way they could have done that on their own. There's no way they could have brought themselves out. There's no way God, that, that any of that could have happened if they didn't have some help. Amen. Hallelujah. When you face those situations, it didn't just happen. You did not just get blessed. You did not just get healed. Your family did not just get saved. Something something activated that. Something predicated that. It was the praise and the worship that you begin to offer to God that brought the victory. Oh, hallelujah. It was prepared in advance. Hallelujah. Notice in uh, Matthew 15. Am I helping you? Whoo, glory. Matthew 15. The Lord said to me uh, a few days ago, He said, your praise on this end determines what God can do on the other end. My praise on this end determines what God can do on the other end. In Matthew 15, verse 21, Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Now this is a problem. Because she's grievously vexed. This this would have been a horrible life. This woman's living with a demon-possessed daughter with no hope. Now, she approaches Jesus, and obviously she had some understanding of who he was supposed to be because she called him Lord, and she called him, notice, the son of David. But yet that wasn't enough. She knew some things about him, but she didn't know the pathway to the victory here. Yet. Yet. Huh. And he answered her not a word. And his disciples came, said, besought him, saying, send her away, she cries after us. And he answered and said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, what they're saying is this, Lord, do something for her, meet her need, and send her on. And Jesus said, wait a minute, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now I've heard preachers preach and, and 
insinuate that Jesus was rude and made a borderline racial slur and everything else here. Jesus was not racist. And he didn't use racial slurs. He was, he was saying what the truth was. My ministry, and it was, is to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Is that right? In other words, this woman has no right to approach me in this manner. Why? I'm not her Lord. She's not of the Jewish lineage. She's saying the right things, but I'm not her Lord. I'm not sent to her. Hallelujah. Then came she, uh uh-oh, and worshipped him. Saying, Lord, help me. Do, Do you see that? Is that what she said? One, 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 one of the gospels says she fell on her knees. And notice, but he answered and said, It's not me to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. In, in, in other words, th- this is not a slur. It's not a knock. He's saying, look, this isn't right. What I have, this anointing that I have, is for a specific group of people. It's for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's not for the little pet dogs. You don't take table food and feed the pets. Right? Notice what she said. Truth, Lord. But even the little pet dogs get the crumbs. And here's what's being said here. And whatever, Lord, is in the crumb is what was in the loaf. And so if you can just give me a crumb, I'm okay with that because the, 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 the same healing that's in the loaf for the kids is in the crumb that the dog gets. And I don't need anything but a crumb. But notice where it started. She worshipped him. And Jesus said, woman, great is your faith. Now think about this for a moment. It could, one, one gospel says, for this saying, go your way. Your daughter's whole. For what saying? For understanding. If it's in the loaf, it's in the crumb. While she's worshiping Jesus, however far she is away from her house, while she's worshiping Jesus and accessing Him through her act of worship, the power of God is at home setting her daughter free. The Bible says, and her daughter was made whole from that very hour. From the moment that Jesus said, woman, great is your faith, be it unto you, even as you will, it was done. While she was worshiping Jesus... At home, the power of God was working. While you're here in the local church tonight, worshiping God and praising God, at home, something's changing. On the job, something's changing. In your family, something's changing. Because you're worshiping God. Hallelujah. Do you see that? And we see this over and over and over again in Jesus' ministry. They would come and worship Him, and things would begin to change. Amen. God doesn't do because you worship in the sense like a lot of people do. Well, you puff me up, and I'll do something for you. God doesn't need to be made greater in His eyes. God knows who He is. God knows that He is God, and beside Him there is no other. He needs you to magnify Him above your situation. He said, I've already magnified my word above all of my name. Anything that I can do, my word can do. And I've magnified it. And David said, I'll worship your word and I'll worship your name. And you'll do what you said you would do. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What does that mean? You take the word and you worship God with it. I thank you, Father, that my needs are met. I thank you, Father, that my body's healed. I worship you on the basis of your word. And something begins to change. Oh, glory to God. Do, 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 do you see that? Hmm. So what you're doing here is changing things there. 
It's, it's not what you can be out there. It's what you can be in the presence of God and then what God can be in your circumstance. No one will ever know the times you spent worshiping and rejoicing and praising God in private that brought the victory into your life. No one will ever know that except you and God. It doesn't matter what you're doing in your private time, what you're doing at home, what you're doing in the closet, what you're doing in your car, what you're doing on your run, in your gym, whatever you're at, wherever you're at, what you're doing when nobody else sees it, God sees it and He's going to answer you in public hallelujah they don't know but you know hallelujah every time you look at what God's done for you and you say Lord I thank you I praise you I glorify you I rejoice for what you've done nobody has to know that God hears it amen Remember what Jesus said? He said, when you have come into your closet, He said, and you shut the door, you come into your closet and you shut the door. And He said, your Father that hears in secret, secret will reward you openly. Hallelujah. 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 But the ten lepers came to Jesus, and you know the story. But the ten lepers came to Jesus, and they said, you know, we want to be clean. And Jesus said, what, go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded. And it says, as they went, they were healed. But it emphasizes this. It says there was one that was a Samaritan. Why is that important? He can't go to the priest. He can't go worship in the temple. He's not allowed. So the Bible says he stopped and came back to Jesus. <laughs> came back to the high priest of our confession. He came back to the priest who has made a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And the Bible says he fell at his feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said, where are the other nine? He said, they're not to be found. But he said, because this one returned to worship me. Go your way and be whole. Be whole. Hallelujah. What produced that? It wasn't just the compassion of Jesus. Jesus had, oh, the Bible says, as they went, they were healed. All ten of them went. All ten of them received their healing. There was a cessation of that disease the moment they acted on what Jesus said. But the one returned and received wholeness. I don't know what all that entails. I've heard people say he got his fingers back, nose back. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But I know that Jesus said, because of your act of worship, you are made whole. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> Do you see that? Hallelujah. Glory to God. No, no, nobody else could do that for him. Amen. You can't worship for me. You can't praise God for me. Amen. Old folks used to say, I think I'll praise the Lord while I got a chance. Amen. Hallelujah. And you know what they say? They say, you don't know like I know what he's done for me. You can't praise Him like I can. That's something I think somewhere in the modern church we've kind of lost some things. Amen. There used to be a lady in our church and she'd stand up and you could count on it. Every time she'd testify, she'd say, The Lord has brought me from a mighty long way. They, they didn't have all the revelation that we have on the Word and, and, the, and our confession and these different things, but they knew where God had brought them from and they knew how to worship God and praise God and glorify God. There are things that when you're standing, you've got to worship God and praise God and glorify God to break the barrier and come through on the other side. 
Hallelujah. Woo-hoo. Do you see that? Look at Psalm 118. Oh, I feel like preaching tonight. <laughs> every, every year for the past probably 12, 15 years, we've done a camp meeting in the Ellsworth Correctional Facility in Ellsworth, Kansas. This is the first year we haven't done it, and of, of course, be, because of the, the, the situation. And uh, I remember one year I was preaching, and, and, uh, and I've been going there for a number of years. We, we have a Bible school in that, in that prison, and, uh, and uh, I was preaching, and, and the more I preached, the more they shouted. They were just pulling on that anointing. And finally I stopped, and I said, y'all will preach a white boy to his knees. And I started preaching again, and, and, and one, of the, one of the young men stood up, and he yelled out, Preach, white boy! And, and so that became the, the slogan for me. Preach, white boy! And then the Hispanic guys got a hold of it, and it's, Predica, huero! And so they're, they're, they're crying, Predica, huero! And, and the other guys are crying, Preach, white boy! My Lord. <laughs> Amen! Hallelujah. You say, what's that got to do with anything? I don't know, but it's a good story. So, 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 well, I guess what I'm saying is when you start, when you start pulling on what God's saying, the, the, the edge of that anointing starts slicing through those things that are trying to stand in the way. When you come to church, something moves, something starts shaking, something starts changing. Why? Because this edge of that anointing is cutting it back. It's chopping it. Mm. When, 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 when the sons of the prophets came to Elisha and they said, the place we dwell in is too straight for us, it's too narrow, it's not big enough. They said, will you come with us and we're going to build a bigger place. And it says that there was a young man that was chopping down a tree and as he drew that axe back, the head flew off and went in the river. Is that right? And he came, notice where he came. He came to the man of God. And he said, alas, master, it was broken, it was borrowed. And he said, where did it fall? And he said, right here. And he put a stick in the water, and the Bible says the iron swam. And he took it up and gave it back to the young man. What is that a picture of? There are times in a person's life where it feels like that anointing is not functioning. They're hitting the, they're hitting the object and hitting the situation, but they're not making any headway. But then they get with the anointed man or woman of God, and that a sharpness of that anointing comes back and they start breaking things through. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, glory. Psalm 118 and verse 14. The Lord is my strength and song and has become my salvation. I think we sang that tonight. Hallelujah. The voice, notice, of rejoicing is in the tabernacle of the righteous. The word can be translated in the tent of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. I will not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. So notice what it says the sound of is in the tent of the righteous. The sound of rejoicing. It's important. Not, not, not the sound of fear. Not the sound of sadness. Not the sound of depression. The sound of rejoicing. That's what comes out of the tents of the righteous. That word voice, when I looked at it, it means lightness or frivolity. Now, that's not a word that we so much use today, frivolity. But, you know, it carries the idea of being frivolous, careless. If, if you could think of, of, of a baby lamb or a baby calf running through a pasture, just bucking and jumping, they're being frivolous. Or a child. Amen. 
You know, child two, three, four years old, five years old, they come running out of their room. They, they don't have a care in the world. They're happy. They're singing. They're laughing. Amen. He says that the voice of lightness should be in our tabernacle. And then he says, the sound of rejoicing. That word rejoicing, shout of joy, shout of praise, shout of triumph. So your shout is evidence you believe you've won. Amen. And sometimes you might feel like you're the only guy in the stadium cheering for the team that looks like it's behind. But you got to shout a victory. Right? That is faith. Well, they said, ah, hallelujah, praise God. I understand what they said, but glory to God. Notice what he said. He said, I will not die, but I will live and declare the works of the Lord. In other words, I will not fail. I will succeed. And when I do, I'll tell everybody God did it. Amen. Think, think about something God has done for you and then say out loud right here, that did not just happen. God did that. God did that. And there's more to come. 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 Amen. Whatever God's done for you, there's more to come. Whatever God's brought you out of, there's more to come. However God's blessed you, there's more to come. However God healed you, there's more to come. There is more to come to pass in your life. Oh, thank you, Jesus. As I rejoice, I'm saying, I won't fail. I won't fail. I will succeed. And I'll tell everybody God did it. I I don't know how you do. I just preach how I live. Right? And I've told the devil on more than one occasion, you better leave me alone. Because I'm coming out of this. And when I come out, I'm going to tell everybody how I stomped your head. I'm coming out and I'm going to preach it everywhere I go that God brought me out. When he was fighting us about, about our children, about our, our, the debt that we were coming out of, I let him know, my children are going to be saved. And when they get saved, when they make the decision, I'm going to tell everybody how you tried to keep them out of the kingdom and you were not able. Now you should do yourself a favor and back off now because it's only going to get worse for you. Now that's literally how I do. Amen. The enemy was fighting Pastor Michelle and I one time about certain things in the church, things we were believing God for, big things God was asking us to do. And I'm sitting in the living room. Pastor Michelle's in there with me. Our kids are in there. And the enemy's fighting me. And finally, I just stood up. And I said, get this, Mr. Devil. I'm not stopping now. I'm not stopping tomorrow. I'm not stopping next week, next month, next year. You're not going to get me now. You're not going to get me next week, next month, next year. Matter of fact, if you get anything over on me, you're going to be busy. Because I've got things to do. Amen. You, do, do you remember? Do you remember when the Lord told the prophet... He said, I want you to go and I want you to prophesy against the king. And he said, as you go, don't turn to the side. If somebody bids you to eat, don't eat. If somebody wants to give you a drink of water, don't take it. Right? We got things to do. You don't have time to be sidetracked. Hallelujah. Look at, look at Acts chapter 5. Well, actually, let me see here. Acts 16, that's a good place. It can seem elementary, but it's the weapon in the spirit realm. Notice this in Acts 16. And let's start in verse 23. And when they had laid many stripes on them, Paul and Silas, 
they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. The Greek says the torture device. So they were not just sitting there with their feet in stocks. They they were sitting there stretched out. They've been beaten. The bottoms of their feet have been beaten with iron rods. Their backs have been beaten. They are put in the inner prison, which was the worst part, and now they're in a torture device. Mm. Do you see that? And at midnight, Paul and Silas, do you see this? Prayed, that's not all they did, and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Now I've heard heard great eloquent messages about how Paul and Silas was in the prison and they began to sing at midnight and the prisoners started throwing things at them. Shut up. Be quiet. Well, number one, the problem with that is that's not in the scripture. Secondly, the Woos Bible, the Greek translation of the Bible, says this. It says that they were mixing, mingling petition with songs of praise and the prisoners were listening to them enjoying their singing. It's something when you begin to praise God, peace and tranquility just flow over everybody that's around you. Amen. Now, I don't want you to miss the focus. I've heard people say, well, they didn't have anything to praise God about. Evidently, they did because they were. Amen. Think about it. Remember the lady I talked about? She would get up and she every week she didn't have a testimony about a financial deliverance or a healing in her body. But she always had a testimony about, thank God He brought me from a mighty long way. Let, let, me, let me give you something to praise God about right now. You're not going to hell. Settles the issue. Amen. Settles the issue. So they had something to praise God about. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake. Now here's something to see. We have no evidence that this affected any other part of the city. None. This is the power of God. And notice what happened here. The foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Amen. So what happened, what the power of God showed up and did was open the prison doors and set at liberty the captives. The power, the victory came to where the praise was. You know, they could have been sitting there and just said, well, you know, we're suffering for Jesus. Let's just put up with our lot in life. No, they started praying. Well, what were they praying for? Well, it doesn't tell me for sure. We don't see in the Word of God. But you can be pretty sure they were were praying for the strength to get through it. They were praying for the deliverance. And then they, then they started praising God. And in the midst of their praying, they started praising. It, sa- it says that they were mingling petition. A petition is a definite request. So they have a definite request. They're mixing petition, definite request with songs of praise. Songs of praise. So they'd get in that petition and all of a sudden break out in a song of praise. Well, he didn't have to do it, but he did. Amen. Or whatever. Hallelujah. The Lord's my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
Glory to God. Lord, thank you that you're delivering us. Thank you, Father, that you're setting us free. Thank you that we're bound, but the word of God is not bound. And then they start praising God. And notice what it says. Suddenly. Suddenly. It's what the Lord told us tonight. There's a bursting forth. There's a suddenly that's, that's on the horizon. He said suddenly. And everyone's, everyone's. Your praise affects everybody around you. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to see something. Praising and rejoicing produces freedom, but it has to be in you. They didn't work this up after they got in prison. It was already there. When the pressure is placed on a person of faith, that's what comes out. When the pressure is placed on a person that hasn't instilled it and put it in them, something else comes out. If you take a sponge and you dip it in a bucket of gasoline and then you pull it out and you squeeze the sponge, you're not going to get water. Because it's full of gas. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I, I had to train myself many years ago, over 20 years ago now, that whatever shows up, what comes out of my mouth is I believe God. I believe God. Amen. When, 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 when they, they came to us and, 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 and our first grandson, our, grand, our daughter-in-law had had some issues with the pregnancy, and when uh, 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 our grandson was, was months early and premature, and they came to us and, and they, they were talking about his heart and talking about certain chambers of the heart were not formed and these different things. And, and I, was, I was in the prison teaching when, when all of this was occurring. And I got in the car and, and Pastor Michelle had sent me the pictures of, of him and uh, had let me know what was going on. And, but here's my point. When I heard that report, the first thing I said was, I believe God. And then I started praying in the Holy Spirit. Lord, you need, to, you, need to, you, you need to help me see what we need to do here. And I had about a 35, 40-minute drive to get to the hospital. And I was just praying in the Holy Spirit all the way there. And about three-quarters of the way there, I just got a sense of peace. I got a sense of understanding. I got a sense of joy on the inside of me. Amen. And I went up. And everyone was somber. I mean, we're dealing with the situation. But, boy, Pastor Michelle had already been there. And she would already tagged him. She had already named him. What would she name him? Mighty Griffin. Mighty Griffin. That's what she said. He's Mighty Griffin. Hallelujah. And, 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 and you know the other family members got a hold of that. That's what they started calling him. Mighty Griffin. Hallelujah. I remember telling my daughter-in-law, I said, I said, now you're, you, I know you're not going to understand everything that I'm saying, but we got this. And every time I would start thinking about that situation, I'd start rejoicing and praising God. Thank God for, for Mighty Griffin. Thank God that his heart is formed. I printed out those, 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 those scriptures. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is strong. And every time I would think about it, I would praise God about it. Amen. Remember Dr. Lillian B. Yeomans told the story? That there was a, a missionary. Is this okay? A missionary to China, actually. And she had, she had contracted smallpox. And back in those days, smallpox was basically a death sentence. There, there was no, no antidote. And uh, uh, she, had them, she said, I had them on every square inch of my body. She said, the doctors came and said, there's not one place that there's not a, a pox on your body. And she said, I went to the Lord and asked the Lord, what do I need to do? And the Lord showed her a vision. And he showed her a vision of a scale. And in one basket was the situation. And in the other basket was her praise. And she said, the, the basket that represented my situation was heavy and my praise was not. And the Lord said, when your praise outweighs your problem, you'll get your victory. And she started praising God. And Christians, people said, what are you praising God for? There's not an inch of your body that doesn't have a smallpox on it. And she said they didn't understand. But she just kept worshiping God and worshiping God and worshiping God until the day that she worshiped God to the point that she woke up one morning and every, every, every evidence was gone. 
And she said, not only was the evidence gone, gone, the doctor came in and said, anybody with smallpox as bad as you should have scarring all over your body, but your skin is like a newborn child's. She's got a chapter in her, in her book, Healing from Heaven, called The Praise Cure. Amen. Do, do, do you see this? And so when, when you begin to think about your, your circumstance. There's a time for the confession of the word. There's a time to just rattle off scriptures. But there's a time to just dance and rejoice and shout and praise God. Amen. Uh, however you got to do it. Glory to God. And you can leave the shades up or down. However you want to. Let's look at this last verse. Romans 4. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And if I can tell you, the doctors have been pleasantly pleased with my grandson's progress, and he's yet to have surgery. Because he keeps improving. Amen. And the hole keeps closing. And, 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 and they went from open heart surgery at a very young age to open heart surgery at another age to we think we can go in through a vein in his leg and put a patch without having to do open heart surgery. Well, that'd be great for me, and I'd consider that a great miracle, but I'd like to see it go all the way and not have to need it at all. Amen. 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 But we'll take, we'll take the victory. We'll take the victory. Amen. When, 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 when my... Uh, second youngest daughter, my, my, my second daughter was born. She experienced some trauma in the birth process and ended up puncturing a lung and, and uh, some other things. And the doctors didn't know what was wrong. But I remember Pastor Michelle and I had been, we had been feeding. I told you this story the other night. We had been feeding on, on Brother Copeland's series on uh, establishing your heart on the Word of God. We were in the hospital in Independence, Missouri, and uh, uh, they had came and they had taken the, the, the baby because uh, she kept turning blue, couldn't breathe. And uh, uh, the doctor came in and told us, well, we don't know. We're going to send her children's mercy, intensive care. Uh, we don't know what it is. Could be her heart. Could, we don't know. And so long story short, this, this, this is so amazing how God works. Because Pastor Michelle, when the, ner- when the doctor left, she reached and grabbed my hand. And she looked at me and she said, my heart is fixed. And I said, well, I, I agree my heart is fixed too. And, and uh, for whatever reason, I felt, and I, I hate to use the word lead, but that's the best way I can say it, I felt led to just turn the television on. And I said, would you, would you mind? She said, no, I wouldn't mind. And I turned it on, and God is my witness. I've never seen him on at this time of night before and have not seen him on since. I turned on the TV somewhere around 10 o'clock at night. I turned on the TV, and, and, and this was back in the day, you know, when they had to come on. Right, and 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 that that black screen turned to a picture, and Brother Copeland was sitting at his prayer cabin in Arkansas. And the moment that picture became bright enough to see, he pointed his finger in the camera and said, "Your heart is fixed, trusting in God." And we began to rejoice. I went as far as I could go. They wouldn't let me in the nursery to put my hands on her. So they pulled her up to the window and I got my hands on the window and rebuked the devil and rebuked that issue and rebuked those situations. Amen. And, and I went to Children's Mercy and they, and they, said, they said, well, uh, they, they, to their credit, boy, they knew their stuff. They had it all lined out. And they said, your daughter right now is on like probably... Uh, 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 30%, 40%, 30% room oxygen, I think, 70% uh, 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 on the ventilator. And, and they said, you know, th- these things have to change. And I went over and I saw her laying under those lights, you know, laying under, under the lights so that, so that uh, you know, uh, everything would stay right. And she, boy, she was struggling for every breath, just struggling for every breath. And I could finally get my hands on her. And I laid hands on her and I said, you're healed in Jesus' name. You will not die, but you will live in the name of Jesus. Well, I worked corporate America. Then I worked at Blue Cross Blue Shield just across the plaza there in Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, every lunch hour I would come up and and visit her for my lunch hour. And the next day I came in and they said, uh, well, good news. I said, what's that? They said, well, she's on 40% room oxygen. 
I praise God. And so Pastor Michelle's still in the hospital. She's not out yet. And so uh, she's got to spend one more night there. So I, I, we, we, we went home, and, and then I came back the next day, and I said, well, good news. It's 50-50. By the end of the week, they told me it'd be 21 days in intensive care. By the end of the week, I was standing at her end of her bassinet, and the, the doctor came through, and he came through with the, with the uh, doctors that were learning. This was the teaching doctor. And they came to us. And the doctor stopped. I'm there. The doctor stopped. And he said to those interns, to those doctors that are in training, he said, this is our miracle baby. And he said, you're her dad, right? I said, yes, I am. And here's what the doctor said. He said, that baby healed herself. We didn't do anything. I know the baby didn't heal herself. God healed her. But what preceded that? This is what's going to happen. And every time we thought about it, we praise and worship God. Amen. There's no formula. I'm not trying to give you a formula as I am giving you a faith principle. Romans 4 and 17. Romans 4 and 17. As it is written, I made you a father of many nations before him whom he believed even God who quickened the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope that he might... Be the, become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken so shall your seed be and being not weak in faith he considered not his own body when he was when it was dead uh, now dead when he was about a hundred years old neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief but was strong in faith how? giving glory to God the Phillips translation says he drew strength from his faith And while giving the glory to God remained absolutely convinced, God was able to implement His own promise. Another translation says, but He grew strong in His faith as He gave glory to God. So Abraham didn't weaken in faith when he looked at his body that was too old to produce a child. He didn't weaken in faith when he looked at Sarah who was too old to have a child. He grew stronger in faith as he glorified God. And rejoiced in the promise God had made him. Hallelujah. Every time you think about it, you rejoice. Amen. Pastor Michelle brought some things to me a couple weeks ago in the ministry. and Financial things, you know, that, that, that just things you have to take care of. And uh, 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 areas of, of increase. And, uh, well, you know, I learned a long time ago. Here's what I need to do. And so I just took them and laid them before the Lord. I said, now, Lord, this is what your word says. And I'm releasing my faith. I'm releasing my faith right now in this. This is, is paid in Jesus' name. Releasing my faith. And then, then, and then I told the Lord, I said, now, Lord, from now on, I've released my faith. From now on, when I think about it, I'll rejoice. Amen. That's it. That's all I'm going to do. Amen. Every time I think about it, I just rejoice. Well, what's happened? Well, it's, all, it's already started. The abundance has already started. Yeah. It will always start. Yeah. Because your rejoicing on this end determines what God can do on this end. Yeah. Hallelujah. You should be rejoicing right now yes. that 2021 is going to be a year of light and magnificent victory. Yeah. And that it's going to be a year that you see everything the enemy tried to steal from you this year come back to you double or even triple. You, you need, it needs to happen. Hallelujah. Because I believe, I believe, I believe that the enemy has to pay for the things he's, he's done and tried to do. I believe he needs to pay for that. Right? That, remember what the Apostle Paul said? Look, look, look at this in... Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 10. This is, is, is something that I heard my pastor preach on years ago. And I never thought about this. But he talks in verse 5, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And uh, could we look at that verse 6 in the Amplified Bible? Because he says something here. Uh, concerning this, the King James says, 
and having in readiness to, re- to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Being in readiness to punish every insubordinate for his disobedience when your own submission and, uh, when your own submission and obedience as a church are fully secured and complete. So he says that you cast down imaginations and then you can exact revenge on the enemy for what he did. You need to tell the devil right now, devil, you're going to pay. That's just it. And the Bible says that our praise in our mouth is a sword and a weapon with the high praises of God in our mouth and a two-edged sword in our hand. When you begin to praise God, it it begins to punish the enemy. Hallelujah. Your best days are yet ahead of you. I believe God. I believe God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.